Fakalofalahiatu, hello Oketa, and welcome to Champions of the Pacific, where we celebrate everything that is the Pacific athlete. I'm Koro Vakauta. Mula, I'm Tully Anderson, and this week we talk to a couple of basketball heroes in Glen Innes, and there's an amazing story of resilience and recovery from a horrific injury. And coconut husking, a competitive sport in the Cook Islands. Tongan brothers Josiah and Sione Mama are known as the big brothers of basketball in East Auckland. The proud co-founders of Glen Innes Rise, better known as GI Rise, hold free youth sessions for locals to play basketball on Wednesdays. Every other day while working full-time, they're holding sessions for players chasing their basketball dreams. Born and raised in Glen Innes, Auckland, Josiah tells me the predominantly Māori and Pacifica community is filled with talent. We want to make it cool to be from GI, because it is cool to be from GI. You know, a lot of GI is in the bad spotlight in the media a lot of times for crime and whatnot, but um, there's actually so much going on here, so much talent here, and we, if we can affect it in one way, and that's through basketball, we're going to try to do it the best we can, and that's why we're super proud to represent this place. Mm. Josiah is the basketball director at Dilworth School and assistant coach of the Auckland Huskies, while Sione is head of basketball at Pakuranga College. But when school's out, they keep at it with GI Rise. Almost every day they're at the gym, helping young people find a way to make their dreams come true. And Sione tells me it appears to be working. Recently it's been pretty cool because we've seen a lot of the boys get NBA contracts and some of the guys get American college scholarships, like a, a Māori fella from Otahu, um, Anzac Rosetta. He's like killing in America now. And when he was here during the COVID pandemic, we, I was training with him every day. So just to see it translate onto the court, it's like a great feeling knowing that you're a, a small help in that. 21-year-old Paif Momoisia has been turning up for GRIs ever since it started. I feel like it's a real like, family environment. Tune in Josiah, make everyone feel real welcome. He's gearing up for his first season in the NZNBL after signing with the Otago Nuggets earlier this year. I started playing basketball pretty late, so I had a lot to work on skill-wise. Um, I feel like they've really sped my development up a lot because they've been willing to work me out pretty much every day, every, every, or almost every time that I ask them for a workout. They've helped me out, so yeah, they've, they've really spurred my development up. But for these brothers, it's not all about the on-court success. We get together with our boys and we just open up about our everyday feelings. And I mean, for men especially, it's like Polynesian men, it's not cool to speak about your feelings and stuff. So that's something we're trying to create is this environment where they can be open and honest and, and not be afraid to be open. I, th- I think also, but a lot of the best times are before the sessions and after, after the sessions. Yeah. And it's just talking about what happened in the NBA, how's your daughter, yeah. how's your mom. How's that girl you're trying to pursue and, and date kind of thing? And it's those little talks and those relationships that kind of build our program. Josiah tells me it's about serving their community. Growing up Tongan and, you know, like a lot of Polynesian people will know, everything's family and everything's hands-on. Everyone, like we, we've been with family recently and there's a million dishes to do at like a big family <laughs> event. Everyone plugs in, everyone gets all their hands dirty. All this food to cook. And it's like, we grow up that way, so that's the only way we know. We know we're in a place where Tongan kids and island kids in general and people from GI look up to us. And so if we're in a place like that, we've got to do it justice. We have a responsibility to make sure we do the best we can in this situation. Well, that's the brothers Josiah and Sionia Mama. It's awesome to hear from our toko doing their thing in Okolani, eh? Yeah, they're doing some really incredible work with the youth. I know even my sister was um, getting some help from them and they're just really, really uh, supportive to see their community thrive. To Rugby League in a story which starts with a shocking event but showcases the perseverance of one of our toughest athletes. 
Last January, Hal Kingston Rovers front rower Mose Masoi suffered a serious spinal injury while playing in a pre-season match in the UK. The Samoan international was told he might never walk again, but eight months later, he took his first unaided steps. More than a year on, he told our producer Vinnie Wiley he's still facing a long, uncertain road to recovery, but he's learnt to keep grinding. Just like having a knee reconstruction, and they say it's about nine months is the recovery. And normally, you know, sports people like to push it and say six months. or That's similar to what a spinal injury is like. It's really crucial for the first 18 months of your um, your recovery phase. Um, you tend to get a lot of things back in that time. And then after that, it kind of plateaus. So I'm just thinking 18 months. So it's, it's month 13 now. And um, yeah, I still got to just keep chipping away and, um, and finding new things to do. And hopefully, um, you know, the signals get from my brain through my spinal cord down to what I'm what I'm trying to achieve but um you just gotta you just gotta keep keep at it what's been some sort of key milestones for you along the journey so far it's just taken me the last three months to learn is um to get up off the ground <laughs> my uh, might sound um insignificant to other people but getting off the ground from for myself is, is massive um like I said it's taken me three months so now hopefully I can wean myself off the the crutches and um be more um more active outside without cut crutches. I mean, you know, if I do take a fall, you know, I'll be, be able to uh, pick myself off off the ground. So, um, yeah, that, that was a massive, um, massive thing for myself. There's obviously still some things that you can't do. Um, has it made you grateful for the things that you can? That's it. I think a lot of people go, oh, you know, so unlucky, you know, the injury. When I, but when I look back at it, it could have been so much worse. And, and I, I, instead of counting the things I can't do, I love counting the things that I can just um, be able to feed myself my dinner. <laughs> um, you know, the first six weeks when I was in hospital, like the nurses were feeding me, my, my partner was feeding me, my kids were feeding me, the boys were coming to training, they were feeding me, giving me a drink and everything. So those little things that I took for granted pre-injury, um, those are the little things that I really cherish now. And speaking of your partner and your children, um, you know, you're pretty philosophical about it. Uh, how are they coping? How are they adapting? I, I really feel sorry for them at the moment just because, you know, everyone says we've only been in lockdown for a few times, but if, if, I feel like they've been in lockdown ever since I've had my injury. So that they've been having to, to cope, getting used to me being, um, not being able to do things. Um, uh, the kids were spending their time, uh, the weekends in, in the hospital with me. So they've pretty much been in lockdown for over a year now, my family, but they're really positive. They bring a big smile to my face and kids are adaptable and um, they've really um, helped me along the way and, and made my journey so much easier. And have they stepped up to the plate at home? Do they help dad around the house a bit? Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, you know, when I forget something upstairs, they, they're always like, oh, yeah, well, I'll go get a dad. And, you know, they've, they've been really helpful and just little things that I need. Um, I can't bend over and grab stuff off the ground yet um, when I'm standing. So if something falls on the ground, they're always like picking it up for me or, our eldest daughter's um they come down and have breakfast and um she's made me a coffee for breakfast which has been been pretty cool. And so your your parents are back here in, in Wellington in New Zealand, obviously. Uh, they've been here for a number of years and I think your partner's family's in Australia. Uh how has it been, you know, quite far away from them when something, you know, so significant as, as this injury happens? Uh, have you been able to keep in touch with them? When my injury first happened, um uh, Chris's cousin come over. Um, she come over straight away and really helped out. My sister and, and then my sister come over a couple of weeks later, 
and a couple of our friends come over too. So we're just really lucky that they come over before the country went into lockdown. So um, they see me at my worst. And, um, but at the same time, there was so much help. Chris and the kids, um, you know, taking the kids to school because we, we still live about an hour away from the, the specialist hospital where I was at. So, um, you know, Chris will, will be at hospital with me all day and then she had to rush back and pick up the kids and now I was driving in. She'll try to drive back and, um, you know, bring the kids to see me after school and things like that. So having um, family and friends here was a great help. And how's the Samoan language? I, I hear you've been having a few thoughts about maybe brushing up a little bit. Obviously not too many Samoans over in Hull. My daughter asked me all the time, especially when I talk to my parents, so or what did Nana say or what did Pa say? And I kind of feel sorry because I've been neglecting my own heritage and my language and um you know and i need to kind of teach them just the basics so then they kind of get the understanding of, of samoa and um where i'm from and and what did it mean for you and your family when you put on the blue jersey and represented to samoa and, and obviously at a world cup as well oh it was massive um you know mom and dad was super proud you know my parents still speak fluent samoan i think my dad only knows a few uh, english words as well so you know it was it was a big moment for for the family name and we we're lucky enough at the end of that world cup to go back to samoa and uh, that was the first time i've ever been to samoa too going back there and meeting a few of the family members um, it was um, quite a proud moment for them to see um, me uh, representing um to samoa and of course your um injury happened you know just a week after basically michael fatilopa had a similar incident playing uh, for for his rugby side over in the uk were you, did you see the incident at the time? At the time, yeah, it was exactly a week before I had my accident. Uh, I, I remember reading a few articles about it and I, I was sitting back here and I was going, oh. at the time, it was, it was really sad. Um, I was lucky enough to um, tee up with, um, with Michael through text message, um, you know, um, earlier on in our um, recovery. I got to FaceTime him a few times and um, I just keep in touch and I watch all his um, Instagram videos of him back home he's doing really well so i'm stoked to see how far he's progressed and it gives me a lot of hope as well because um you know i'm trying to push to get to where he is now so he's he's leading the way and i'm i'm following it sounds a bit crass but obviously your, your contract is up at the end of the year the club's been great to you rugby league cares there's, there's been a lot of support but have you had a chance do you, do you want to even think about what's next at this point just really focused on my rehab and my recovery for the first year and now I've um, started to get a few little things back. Uh, you know, I've, I've really kind of started to think what kind of jobs that I can, that I can do after this. And um, you know, I'm leaning towards a, a lot of mentoring, kind of um, counselling kind of jobs and like in the mental health sector. So I've got to start doing a bit of study and hopefully I can get a gig when I get back to um, Australia. Mose Masoi's contract with Hull expires at the end of the year. A Just Giving fundraising campaign is closing in on its £150,000 target. Now maybe rugby league isn't your thing, you can't shoot a hoop to save yourself, and cricket takes too long. Well, one of the highlights of the last Cook Island Games was the traditional sports, which included stilt racing, juggling, coconut husking and weaving. The coordinator for the traditional sports event, George Paniani, told us it was all about celebrating and helping preserve the Cook Island culture. People started knowing themselves, knowing their relatives, knowing their blood rights, knowing which island they come uh, from, and having 
knowing these things in respect of the history uh, where you come from each island that it's one big happy family and uh, being able to not as physically competitive what uh, one would have in a contact sport but more in a family social and um, uh, recognizing each other's relationship very closely and being appreciative of each other and more so having fun. In 2020, the five sports included stilt racing, weaving, juggling, coconut relay and coconut husking. The event proved such a success that within a couple of weeks, two secondary schools in Raratonga had initiated the same programme. Our kids will be able to see how our older generation survived during the, you know, during the time that there was no, um, you know, no, no Western influence. Eh? And, you know, how they lived in, during those olden days are using some of these um, traditional sports to survive. And it also kept it in now. I mean, with the COVID-19, man, it, it actually worked out because, you know, instead of relying on tourists uh, and all the fishing buzz going, you can actually do it yourself. Plans are already afoot to expand the traditional sports program in 2022. Anthony Tudia from the Cook Islands Ministry of Cultural Development says coconut tree climbing was considered last year, but was deemed a bit of a health and safety nightmare. I think it's like any other sport, you know, you can't just go and play rugby and, and, and you know, you're not physically fit and you the fitness criteria. It's the same with uh, climbing the coconut tree. Uh, in the olden days, you don't use uh, rope. You actually use the bark of a tree. So you get the bark of a tree and you strengthen it, then you tie it up and then you put it around your, your legs and then you, you climb up the coconut tree. And then there's the modern-day version of showcasing throwing ability using grapefruits and hurling them down the road as far and fast as they can. But uh, that was ruled out over concerns a wayward throw might end up hurting an unlucky spectator. Ngatuaine Maui from the Ministry of Cultural Development says stone lifting is also being considered. We needed to, to look into how, you know, what's a safe size of stone for a person to lift and all those other criteria because we can't expect them to come and lift it straight away. They need to prepare for it. Mm. Otherwise, there'll be uh, injuries. Um, the other one was the um, water sports. Uh, those are because that's very prevalent in the north. Um, because they have larger lagoons and they do the canoeing. Awesome to hear about the traditional sports of the Pacific. And if you want to hear more from Champions of the Pacific, you can find us online at rnz.co.nz and click on that Pacific tab. We also broadcast into the region on RNZ Pacific and you can hear us on RNZ National. Or you can download us from Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. Join us next week when you hear about moves to get Pacifica involved in cricket and we talk to the Jonah Lomu of the Patong world. Until then, more they munda. Kakite.